I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use again. Shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello there. Welcome once again to Sports 360 podcast. Uh, here we discuss all things sports from across the globe. My name is DG Omotoimbo. And um, today's podcast is partly sponsored by All Stars Trader. Uh, we'll talk about them a bit more later on the show. Yeah, man, this one is here. Yep, yep. Bori Ogutu, he joins us via Skype. He has a lot of things to tell us about the All-Star Weekend, which is attended. Still hold up, having a short vacation in Cleveland. And we have another Yemi here. Um, she's here for the second time, actually. Yemi Olus. Yemi, good to have you join us on Sports 360 Port today. Thanks for having me on your show once again. All right. So Yemi is here because um, she's an expert in an aspect of our discussion for today, which has to do with a Nigerian athletes, track and field star, Blessing Okagbare. And that's where we start the podcast for today. Yemi, you were in Tokyo uh, when the news of um, covering the Olympics, when the news of Blessing Okagbare's uh, failed dope test came through. Um, kind of give try and give us a picture of how that went down at the Olympics, considering what had happened to Nigeria and all the uh, shenanigans about athletes protesting and all of that. Um, tell us about that. What did that feel like? Um, honestly, on July thirty first was when um, well we woke up or I woke up the news of um, Blessing having a failed test mm. and that she had been suspended from competing any further at the Olympics. The previous day, Blessing had drawn the 100 meters heat, July 30th. She had easily won her heat and of course, she was one of the contenders going into the Olympics. Now, because of all that happened in Team Nigeria, athletes were suspended for not completing the out-of-competition mm. test. Yes, so we had as many as 10 athletes not being able to compete in their various events because they had not completed their test, their tests, you know, and because um, Nigeria had been put under category A as mm. having um, not having um, having low adherence, uh, more or not, less, not being fully compliant. Exactly, not fully compliant to all that we're supposed to do in terms of out of competition tests. At least needed at least three out of competition tests, and we had not met that. So we're still trying to deal with all of that. The morale was already very low in Team Nigeria and then on the 31st you now wake up to the news that your biggest Stop. athletes in track and field, your biggest name in Team Nigeria had failed a dope test. And what was really shocking is the fact that she had never failed a dope test prior to this. Okay. So, you're not expecting that kind of news at the Olympics. It was totally out of the blues. So it was just like a bad dream. Like, no, there must be a mistake somewhere. So, no, it cannot just... We can't be having one bad news from just trying to, you know, mm. cope with this and then this is happening. And then your biggest name, you know, has been hit. By. So, like, morale was really very low. The shock, you know, could be felt across athletes, administrators, journalists, you know. And then at that time now, all your fellow colleagues from other countries, you know, yeah, are trying to, trying to get information happened. and all of that. Have you seen this? And and it was it was really a shock. It's still a shock in some ways, especially as only a few days ago now, 
we um, heard that she'd been given a 10, slammed with a 10 year mm. um, ban. And that is just, I mean, it's really crazy. Okay, l- let me pause. I'll still stay with you because you are the expert here. So I'll defer to you on this topic more than the other guys. Um, now, um, for me, we're not here to castigate or condemn. Obviously, mistakes have been made. Bad choices have been made. The evidence against blessing, if you go to the evidence, is damning. I mean, uh, I really don't... She's come out to say um, her lawyers are taking a look at it and all that. I think that was just a statement being made in the heat of the moment. Uh, but we let the whole legal process play out. What I am a bit uncomfortable about is the thought process that an athlete of blessings stature would um, get to the point where she felt something needed to be done. Because I feel that she's achieved enough already. Even if she, even if she didn't go to that Olympics last year, she's achieved enough already. So, having been close to athletes, is it that the lure of the prize money, uh, sponsorships and all of, is it the, the prize at the end of it? Is the, the, because she's not the first and it's not the last. Hopefully, it will be the last, but we and I know it won't be the last. What is it that drives athletes? You've seen Ben Johnson and Marion Jones, even in other sports, um, the Tour de France gentleman, Lance Armstrong, what drives at least to try and feel that they can cut corners? I think it could be a combination of factors. You know, for someone like Blessing, for instance, like I mentioned earlier, she had never failed a dope test prior to now. And Blessing is arguably Africa's most decorated sprinter. Okay. She's won two world championships medals at the same world championships. Mm. Only Nigerian to have accomplished that feat. Two individual medals in the long jump and the sprint. No African athlete has done that. Going into the Olympics too, she was one of the top contenders. And if Blessing had won a medal in either the 100 or 200, she would be the first African male or female athlete to win Olympic medals in both track and field mm. because remember her first Olympic medal was, was in the long, long jump. jump. Yeah. So if she had done it in the sprint China. too, mm. that is you know only athlete, male or female from the continent. So I think a lot of them look at this sort of things, you know, you're thinking of a legacy, you know, that is an exclusive class you're creating for yourself when you win. So yeah, sometimes maybe the allure of prize money, but it might just be beyond that because for someone at her level, she's achieved it all, right? Yeah. She, you're being sponsored by Puma. Before then, she had been sponsored by Nike. You know, you're running. Um, she's Nigeria's like most consistent athlete in the Diamond League. Running, in mm. fact, there was a time she won a, yeah. She entered the Guinness Book of Records for that, right? Mm. Most appearances at the Diamond League. So, in terms of money, she has made some of it, you know. And so, it will just be about. For me, I would think that it's about you know just trying to build a legacy that will be very difficult for anyone else to reach. Because she had been African record holder in the 100. She had been African record holder in the 200. And she was going into the Olympics. She was still the African record holder in the 200. Until subsequently, Christine Mboma of Namibia. You yeah, know, so that. those are records. Those okay. are the kind of things, you know, I think a lot of them are looking at. All right, buddy. Um, down the years in history, even going beyond Nigeria, we've had a few Nigerians who've had uh, doping issues as well. Uh, but two major, uh, major names come to mind. Um, Incidentally, there were two athletes that I personally 
uh, supported at the time before it turned out. Ben Johnson was one. Um, and then, of course, Marion Jones was another. And now, having seen this happen, why do athletes still feel that I can get away with it? When you've seen so many high-profile cases and ended in tears, why do you still feel at least feel I can get away with this? And um, because for me, is a is a well-beaten path. You somehow you tend to get caught. I, I just feel that because they know some got away with this, or some some are getting away with this. Those those two, two people you mentioned. Um, just like uh, Yeni said, going to, uh, um, going to the tournaments where they were caught, they also had a lot of pressure on them to prove one or two things. In the case of Ben Johnson, of course, at that time, there was only one athlete that was, that, that you know, in, 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 in the uh, 100 meters. Ben Johnson had probably wanted to top that. In the case of Marion Jones, she had, she had indeed done that, but there, was, there are a couple of things more that she, that, that she, that she needed, uh, that needed to do. And she went down to But also go back, going with what Yeli had said earlier, and, and the question you asked her, the pressure BG can be enormous. Um then also, like I said, because they know that some people are not with it, they are thinking, why not? Still, if she had not known with it, she would have been in different class, like Yeli like said. And um, let's take it back to another athlete that both of us respect and which a lot of us love at all made that statement. Remember what Lapa Dadinika said. I think there was like a big fish in a small pond in Africa. Like, uh, uh, like, uh, 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 uh he was one of our best painters, was one of the best in the world, and he was running, he usually runs well at mid major events. But when he gets to major events, somehow, I didn't come, I didn't come with those small shots, and you and I were frustrated at, at that time, remember? That drug program was not this bad. And so we always, we were worried, what's wrong with this guy? And then we, we concluded, he had no big day mentality. If he falls short at the big was because he's not mentally strong enough to complete the best. But I didn't, I didn't say that at the time. All these guys are on drugs. I can't do drugs. And did you remember that statement? Yeah. And we, we laughed at him. Oh, yeah, stop making excuses. It's because you can't be there that you are, you are, you are, you are young indoors. But many years down the line, he has been proven to be correct. Look. Most of these guys do it because they feel they cannot be caught. They feel they cover their bases. And like a lot of doctors have said, these guys that are on the other side, they are trying to three steps ahead. They were trying to three steps ahead of the testers until the testers started getting inside information and they caught up. So for most of them, the doctor says, look, people are doing it. They are making money. They are getting sponsors. They are only medals. They are not getting caught. Why can't I? And so they street. So for me, it is that they know that this thing is, in fact, they also know that somebody has proposed that look, let everybody be doing drugs and let the best drug this way since these guys are so, so far ahead. So it's because they see that people do it and not getting caught. They should know what. Let me also try. I think it's as simple as that. Please let me add something to what he just said. Talking okay. about pressure, Tokyo was Blessing's fourth Olympics. First Olympics, you know, as a young athlete unknown, she won a medal, a medal you know, yeah. bronze, which was upgraded to silver eventually. 
second Olympics where you feel, okay, she has more experience now. There was no medal. Mm. That was London 2012. 2016 Rio, mm. no, medal. no medal. Now Tokyo, which many, you know, assumed was going to be her, her last. last Olympics. And so she would want to leave, you know, on a high, high, on a high. Mm. So talking about pressure now, you know, it just made me recollect that, that this was probably meant to be her last Olympics. And, mm. you know, that pressure to perform at this last Olympics, not leave empty-handed like Probably previous Olympics. Her. Okay, Yemi. Uh, Yemi, Adesoya now. Um, Yemi, the body mentioned something about the the dopers always a, a couple of steps ahead of the testers. We've talked about masking agents. We've talked about fake urine tests. We've talked about fake private parts giving <laughs> false urine. All kinds of things happen. We know about the situation with the Russian uh, Olympics, we know what's just happened, Valieva, at the recent Winter Olympics, and all the controversy about that. Is it that drug use is a scourge that we may never ever get rid of? Or are we going to get to a point where athletes realize, look, it's not worth it. I don't think I should do it. I really don't think uh, it should be on my table. Or so, we are, fighting, are we fighting a, a losing battle? We're fighting a losing battle. Um, so long as the stakes are high, mm. so long as the competition level of competition continues to improve, so long as it is a means to an end for people to put food on their table, make a livelihood, we are fighting a losing battle. And I was saying before we came on air that you know, if you participate in athletics, if you're an athlete, it is very difficult for you to stay within the straight and narrow mm. because whether you like it or not, it might be a coach. It might be your closest teammate or someone in your training group or what have you that will be taking drugs. And yeah, like it or you are somehow exposed to it, whether knowingly or unknowingly. So I think it's come to stay. What just has to happen is that there has to be better regulation, better monitoring. Of course, the bands have to be stiffer that hopefully people can, you know, avoid it, but I doubt it because Look, everybody wants to win. Mm. In some cases, some just want to win. And once they win, if they get away with it, they just get out. Mm. Because for like for like the Americans, for instance, once you are you've been to one Olympic Games, you're an Olympian. Yeah. And that stays and on your you, record. If, and you, you're probably commercially made for life in yes, a country like the United States. It stays States. on your record forever. And you can build so much from mm. just that one. So it's come to say there's really nothing we can do about it. Okay, let's focus, refocus now, um, Yemi on the Olus, Yemi Olus, on the um, blessing of Kagbaren. We know there is a legal process. She's talked about from where I'm sitting, I don't see any reprieve because I I went through that evidence as carefully as I could. Eric Lira is probably going to go to jail. That's a gentleman who uh, allegedly supplied her the the banned substance. Human growth hormone, which she was accused of, is not ingested, is injected. So it's probably knowingly. And that was my feeling. The when I, when I went, she tested positive first and I saw it was HGH. I had fears. And so I'm not surprised about what happened. But what is there any kind of reprieve? Is there any kind of possibility whereby um, something can happen to her? positively from this is there any because i don't want to uh, consider the worst part um um some have said she might eventually be prosecuted but some have said no 
Um, she was not like to, but let's evolve the legal. From a purely athletics perspective, how can she find a way out of this? Not find a way to, out of the band, but how can she, would she like, maybe she becomes a reformer like Marion Jones did. Marion Jones started going to talk to young girls about not taking drugs. What can she possibly glean out of this, if anything at all? Um, well, first of all, I think um, the first thing will be to adopt the right mindset. So far, we've not seen any form of, <laughs> will I say humility? Will I say sense of responsibility? It has to start from somewhere. Yeah. So right now, you have to, you, you have to accept. You have to your, accept your own part. Wrong, you yes. know, so mm -hmm. far she has not taken responsibility for, for anything. She's talking about her lawyers. You know, she's talking with her lawyers and all of that. Now, of course, she has a right to appeal. You know, mm -hmm. thirty days after um, the at athletics integrity unit passed the verdict, she has thirty days to appeal. And I'm sure she may or she may not. I do not know what course of if action. If she appeals, what's the best she can possibly get? Half the... Probably half. But then it will still be difficult since it has been proven that she did not cooperate. Okay. Because in okay. AIU's statement, you know, they said um, the sole arbitrator also recognized um, the AIU's right to carry out investigations, including the imaging of electronic devices and to impose sanctions when an athlete refuses to cooperate with an investigation and thereby frustrates the AIU's ability to fulfill its mandate to protect the integrity of the sport of athletics. In this instance, the sole arbitrator concluded that the athlete's refusal to cooperate had mm. denied the AIU the opportunity to discover evidence of possible further rule violations mm. by her. Okay. You know, and all of that. So, so it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for her. And um, yeah, the fact that she didn't cooperate is not helping issues. And of course, the AIU wants to use this to make a strong statement yeah. that an athlete of this caliber, you know, and then even any other athlete, athletes generally, you know, it's mm. meant to send a strong message that they're not treating this thing with, with cheat gloves. gloves. Yeah. So anybody once you're caught, you know, that is it. Okay. So they're trying to give the highest okay. sentence Let me possible. Follow up question here. What advice can we give to current athletes, upcoming athletes on this matter? In terms of no matter how smart you think you are, no matter how intelligent you think you are, somehow, if you are going on the wrong path, somehow, you still you tend to get caught. So, as an advice from your perspective, working with athletes, I mean, you work with some of these younger athletes coming up. I mean, to avoid this lure of um, doing this. I think honestly, the message is very clear. This is the country's biggest athlete, mm. and if she could be caught and banned for this, I mean, it's just a very clear picture. A bit of my worry, though, is the fact, and you know, like you said initially, we're not here to condemn or, or castigate, yeah. castigate or any of that. But again, I'm partially worried by, um, okay, so on social media and all of that, you see like there's a lot of solidarity, you know, from Nigerian athletes on posts that have to talk about, that talk about, you know, this whole thing. And then, you know, there was even a time some athletes are complaining, like, ah, why are you guys just, you know, giving us news on Okagbari? It's okay now, let's move on from like, so... So that is a bit of my worry. Like, okay, do these people actually realize the gravity of what is going on? They are trying to play the victim. Of mm. what 
has actually happened. I'll give you the last word. Let me just take one one word from Buddy. Um, Buddy, now the issue is there has to be an acceptance and um, of guilt and taking responsibility for your actions. Yeah. Unfortunately, like Jamie said, we have not seen that, and that to me is where um, I think blessing is getting all this wrong. Quickly, before we move on. I think, um, uh, like, like you have noted, she, she has a right to appeal, she has a right to talk about her lawyers, but the moment the appeal fails, right now, I, look, I don't think, I, I want to jump on that now, um, because she has not admitted guilt, uh, let her follow all the whole the, process all the to the, the very end. Uh, the, the defense that she needs to follow, um, but at the end of that process, because uh, like like Kenya noted, she has she has the right to appeal. But at the end of that process, you know, when it's clear that there's nowhere else to go, I expect her to now stand up and say, "Okay, you know what? I did it. I'm sorry. I move on." But if at the end of that pro- of that process, she doesn't do that, then the, co- then the conversation will be different. But as as it is now, I feel maybe ego, maybe whatever it is, maybe it's still hope that hey, uh, uh, I, I I was wrongfully um, uh, uh, accused. Let's let's just. I mean, as long as long as she has a, there's a process to follow, let's deal with all okay, that. So but all that is over because of a different conversation. Okay, um, Yemi, Adisa, final words on this. It's a tough one to come out of. Um, with this ten-year ban, careers is good as over. I, I can't see where she's going to be able to rebuild from. Uh, but then knowing Nigeria as we are, and like Yemi said. Uh, we started shaping the conversation to almost sound like victims. Mm. I'll be surprised if a few years down the line, uh, you know, some of the loyal guys in the, whether the reformed or the non-reformed AFN don't give us some uh, you position know, because, or what have you to, uh, to compensate. I'll give you the final The truth of the matter is that there have been a few, I don't want to mention names, but there have been a few Nigerian athletes who've been involved in drug issues at the past and they are in fairly prominent positions yes. right now. So maybe from a local perspective, we tend to, I mean, play the victim and all of that. But what I would like to see from Blessing, if like Buddy said, let's exhaust all the process. But if at the end of what I would like to see from her, at times, an admission of remorse, some remorse, and then maybe an apology, it heals a lot of wounds. Because even those people you have hurt, even those people you have, because so many people have been involved in war scandals, all they did was, Came out. Marion Jones came out, apologized publicly. Uh, what's his name? Lance Armstrong did it. I don't know whether she wants to go there, but I feel that's the first part of the healing process towards proper restitution and acceptance back into the fold. Definitely. If you don't do that, I think that that's an arrogance of, well, there are no consequences, but indeed we know there are consequences. So, Yemi, before you leave us, let me give you the final words here. How do we wrap this up? What can we learn from this? both individually and as a country? Um, individually, I mean, especially for athletes, it just shows that there's just... Um, don't even do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. You no. cannot. You will not always succeed. Like, there's a day, a day of reckoning will always come, no matter how like highly you placed. Balance, one day monkey will go market. <laughs> no matter how highly placed you are. Like I said, this happening to the biggest athlete already is a story and a lesson on its own. And okay. for her, I'm happy at least she's educated. She has a first degree. She has a yeah, second degree. She can have a you know, so even if she cannot career. do anything related to sports, you know, just look for, but 
there needs to be like some sort of sense of responsibility in all of this. And then you move forward after that. Okay. Thank you very much, Jeremy. And we need to take doping very seriously See, in this country. Yes. 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 Adher- yeah. In terms of adherence, adherence and everything. Yes. Yes. We, we really need not only adherence to step up on in education. 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 Orientation. Orientation. Yes. Everything. everything. Across the so sports. Those uh, are the lessons to the length yeah. from this. Um, the, our our protocol, control protocols have to be stricter and tighter and uh, maybe zero tolerance and then even athletes, when indeed you are caught, I mean, take responsibility. Don't do it. But exactly. if indeed you're doing it, be honorable enough and be remorseful enough to take responsibility. Exactly. I'd like to thank Yemi Olus from Making of Champions for coming here. Wait, where is the next place you are going to? Yeah, we are going to. Oh, well, it's, it's a stacked year. We have the Commonwealth Games, we have the African Championships, we have the World take, Championships. Take me, take me <laughs> of these thank you very much, Yemi. Thanks for having Yemi me. Is leaving us as we move on to. All, all the stories. Um, in athletics, we've had a case of Nigeria looking for athletes in diaspora to come and represent us. So it brings us to the diaspora, I call it the diaspora debate. And let me start with Buddy here. Um, Buddy, a couple of, I think after the Nations Cup, I think last week the stories came out of um, Amaju Penik, I think Austin Eguavon, I'm not sure if Amunike was there. Um, going to England to try and talk to, to, I think Crystal Palace particularly, try and talk to maybe Ebere Chuku, Ebere Eze, and, uh, blah, 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 blah. My quarrel with that is, I do not think you are going to get players to switch overnight. I think there is a process to switching, especially if you are representing another country at age grade level. And, Especially if I don't think any of those guys actually carry an Nigerian passport at the moment. But my worry is that we have these guys, even if they agree to switch, they are not going to switch in time for the matter at hand, which is Ghana in batch, which I think should be our focus with the players we already have. That's one part of it. The second part of it is this. There's absolutely nothing wrong in any any Nigerian, anybody who's qualified to be a Nigerian, wanting to play for the country. It happens in football now. It's happened with our female football uh, Falcons as well. A few of them came to play the last game we won. And then, of course, basketball, male and female, is dominated by uh, mostly Nigerians in diaspora. There's really nothing wrong with that. But for me, I think the administrators, the, the danger for me is our administrators are not looking at this as the easy way out. And they are not doing much in terms of developmental programs locally. So it's like, uh, well, I can go and look for Nigerians, blah, blah, blah. You know, our understanding are all about when I was the president, we went to two World Cups, we won this, we won that. But how does that impact the development of the game or games or sports, sports or sports locally? Over to you. I think for me, it's, um, it, it's not even about developing talents at home anymore. We have, we have, we have talked so much about that. Um, it, it, it's not hurts when, when this conversation comes up because it's really nothing, nothing new to say. Um, we all know the, the various advice of, of bringing, um, foreign players. And like you said, I quite, I quite agree with you. There's absolutely not, nothing wrong with it. Um, if they are Nigerians, they are willing to play, they, they have, um, a commercial Nigeria rather, they are willing to play. Hey, is that right? 
Uh, but you, you, you not also notice that those who are vociferously supporting bringing players from abroad, arguing that if at best players are abroad bring them, their, their, their voices are dying down. Because I think, look, too much of anything is bad. We are not beating this, this card so much that it is dead. And it, it, it has become the one route that everybody takes because like, it's, like, like I've noted, it needs to, uh, um, uh, it opens the door because it doesn't necessarily need to. It opens the door for you to make a boost that you have achieved something while you are in office. What hurt me about this particular journey was what a lot of people use on social media. COVID-19 showed us that you can do a lot of things remotely. We are having this conversation now remotely. And one part of the world, you guys are another part of the world, and we have done interviews with people in other parts of the world, and we have done it successfully. How many times has Amadou Pinnick made trips to England to talk to players? How many times has he come face to face with the managers and those who are connected with these players? I think once you have made connections, one or two, you have their, you have their number on your, you have their phone number on your own device. The next stage, you just progress on to the next stage. You can do Skype, you can do Zoom, you can do WhatsApp call, you can do Facebook, you can do a lot of calls remotely. So, and you can do, you can connect, you can just set a time and connect people and have this conversation without you carrying yourself. Look, we always talk about, unless, unless they can prove to me or they can prove to us that, hey, all the people that are present at those meetings, they use their own money. So, if you are using enough money to make these trips, we are wasting funds that is not available. So for me, the, the conversation has got to be around what exactly are we looking for? Like I said, I would love to go back and tell you how bad it is that there is, that gradually you swear it is, and thankfully football is being played now. The second part for me is that as the importation of these talents Mm. As lonely as it is, apart from basketball, has it done any better for, 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 for Nigeria as a nation in sports? More than when we are presenting players that are presenting competitors uh, uh, that are brought up here. I don't I, I think not. We have not won the World Cup. We have not gone to the quarter class of the World Cup, despite the fact that we have round up into, uh, um, uh, bringing in uh, foreign based players. We haven't. Our best achievement is still done with the mixture at. at uh, any tournament, whether with uh, the women or with the men, uh, I'm, I'm talking about uh, our football, our soccer, if, if, if you want to say, has been, has been what we had copious representation of players that are raised in the home league. So you can't say to me that, oh, because you have brought in more players from abroad, we have done comparatively more. It hasn't happened. So why do we keep doing, why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again when the results have not exactly been better? The same thing with the hiring of foreign coaches. How do you force to tell you that Nigerian coaches are not, uh, Nigerian coaches are not, uh, um, uh, um, they may not be the best in the world and they may not give you the results you want. But as bringing in foreign coaches help us any better, we just saw Senegal win the nation's cup with a home based coach. We saw them stick with him, two thick and thin. The fact is that when you put in processes, when you put processes in place, and you have milestone that you have, you have milestone that you are, you are shooting for. It's may not matter whether whether I'm importing class or you are raising class or more. Once you are once you are clear about your logistics and what you are doing, you get results you need. It's all about inputs and outputs. It's simple. So for me, 
that journey is a bit more questions. But unfortunately, on social media became it became another war of wars. Oh, why can't they go if they are if 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 that's what they need to do? Oh, if this boss wants to pay for us to be better the worker, well, like I just put to you, doesn't guarantee that. So for me, that's let's let's if you become analyst analysis of that trip, it's just another waste of money. As it follow as it's as simple as that. You know, um, I saw some conversations like what he said on social media and people were talking about if these guys are better, we might have a better team at the World Cup. I think I might do even said we want to go for the World Cup. We have not qualified for this World Cup. <laughs> we haven't qualified. And these guys cannot play against Ghana. So I don't understand the sense in all that sentimental argument. Are we assuming that we're so good we're going to ride roughshod and beat Ghana? I don't get it. But Yemi, my issue is that, you know, I feel personally now that we are cheapening our national team, especially the Super Eagles, by handing some of these guys a direct, a free pass. I don't want to dwell on Okoye. We talked about Okoye <laughs> a few weeks ago. But for me, two things. I don't like the fact that it's as if we are practically begging them to come and play. Yeah. And then two, I don't think some of them have earned the rights in terms of quality of play in terms of performances. For instance, I mean, look at the young man that scored against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. He's 19. He scored one goal in the Champions People are calling for him to be called. Okay, we're going to call him. He's not even Nigerian. He's Austrian, by the way. We're going to call him. Why don't you let them start at age grade level? Or, which is supposed to, which be, is supposed right to be. And then, if you remember the case of a certain Jordan Ibe. Jordan Ibe was almost given a free pass to our national team. Amadou Pinnick was practically begging him to come and play for us when he was at Liverpool. The guy turned us down. The guy's career has gone... Ver- uh, not, not disrespect to him and not trying to slate him. But we could have handed that guy a free pass to our national team and he's nowhere now. Yeah. So, I really don't understand why we feel that the moment somebody with a Yemi Adesan or Yemi Olu's kind of name is doing well, has one game, free national team. He's cheapening the national team and he's denying for me, critically, is denying homegrown talent. I think we are not looking at that. Homegrown talent is almost shutting out opportunities for them. So anybody who is here is like, okay, I think I need to move abroad. That's the only way I'm going to get a shot. And that's why I've been saying it. A lot of people have abused me. Some have called me a cake and all that. I don't care. I will continue to say it. For our national team, if you want to grow the home league, two, three, four places in every squad, must be guaranteed for MPFL players. That's the only thing I see that can grow that league. Yeah, but they'll tell you that the Super Eagles is not... Uh, invitation to the Super Eagles is yeah. not to grow... The but if you've done it with those players, you've yeah. used national team to grow the career of some of these players. Yes. We don't have... We know. We all know it. Yes. And also, I'll take you to an example you always use. Mm. And this is a reference to all those people that tell us that our best legs are abroad. So that means if you're a doctor and an accountant or a dentist or a journalist or, a journalist or what have you, anybody, in Nigeria, anybody abroad is better than you. Any doctor or journalist or accountant abroad is better than you. That's what it just means. But you see, for me, one thing is critical. We continue to create a huge disconnect between the super egos and the fans. Mm. Like it or not, the fans feel zero attachment to this team. Likewise, the team itself feels zero attachment 
to the fans. Unlike you have a boy who's grown from the streets of Suleri and his dream passing through National Stadium Suleri was to be able to play at that main bowl at some point. Now that boy's dream is shot, is, is cut out, is more or less destroyed. Mm. Now you bring somebody who whose dream originally was to probably play at Wembley. But because it's not good but enough. because it's not good enough to make the English national team, he has to come down and play at Teslin Balogo or National Stadium or wherever it is they shot the Super Eagles to. And expect to get the best from him? No. Now, secondly, this idea of chasing diaspora players is a means of forming activity. Of acting like we are working. Dynamic inactivity. That's just it. <laughs> because I will give a clear example. An example is Algeria and Morocco. Yes, they have also gone the same route. Mm. They've got a lot of diaspora boys to play for them. But go and check the level yes. of these diaspora boys. That's mm. one. Two, check how much money they have invested in the, in the sports locally. In terms of building development centers, football centers across their country to develop the game from local standpoint. That is the true essence of a football federation to show that they are working, not shuttling and jumping all over the world or all over Europe looking for or trying to convince players to play. So this is us trying to form activities that we are working. And what the last two winners of the Nations Cup have shown is that there is no rule to the answer anymore. Mm. Algeria has built several football development platforms in their country. Senegal have also done the same thing. And we are seeing the results. Senegal has produced a second golden generation. And this second golden generation has won the they have come finally. Mm. We have only one golden generation. We have failed to produce the second one. And the reason why we have failed to produce that second one is because of this reason. And the irony of it all is that our best players, like it or not, our best players still remain the ones that come out from here. Mm. Victor Sime, mm-hmm. probably the best player we have in the team. Wilfred Indidi, probably the best. Moses Simon. So, their players... Got they were homegrown. Those other ones, and they are as good are, as those guys you're bringing. They're not even they're better yeah. because those other ones are like an afterthought. We don't mm. respect to them because they were not good enough to play for the original countries that they would have played for. Let, let's tell ourselves, Alex Wobi. If you look at Alex Wobi today, where do you see him fit into the English national team, or is it uh, Maduka? Where do you see him fit in the German national team? He will leave this place, or uh or Kevin Trapp. No, let's tell ourselves the truth. Is it Igwei? Uh, Will he displace Dumfries in the Dutch national team? Or even two seconds? Will he displace uh, Virgil van Dijk? The, the, the examples are endless. They are all, all over the place. Oh, okay, yeah, but the last question to you on this, I, like I said, I do appreciate the fact that these guys are Nigerians. They have a right to want to play for their country. But I just feel that we're giving them they need to earn an it. easy pass. They need to earn it. It needs to come from them. Not like we're trying to beg them to come and play 
and we need to strike a balance. So my question to you, buddy, is how do we strike that balance between getting top quality diaspora players who are willing to play for us across all sports? We have said this in basketball because it, it does seem to me that the basketball players are very, very eager, more eager to play, to play. than the footballers we tend to go and appeal to to come and play. And and how do you strike the balance between the diaspora and the I don't want to use a negative word, but the uh, downtrodden at home is the <laughs> truth must be told because we don't really rate them. What did you want to do? Because, I mean, striking the balance is not as difficult as as as, as we are making it seem. Um, on, on on different on different platforms, we have proposed so many ways to to. to Make this work. The North Africans at the time they made it clear. Certain percentage of players from whom they must play. They are made, they, uh, some of them uh, at a point they also said that look, unless a player develops up to a certain level and attain a certain age, he will not go abroad. And what that means is that they are giving opportunities opportunities to the national team to play, you know. So what we need to do, DG. Like and like you have always said, is come up with a deliberate policy to ensure that we don't we don't run on one side of the tracks. Because for me, you can either you can, you can fall into the trap of either running too close to home or running too close abroad. So let's hope that one thing is clear: all of us want the best to be on display for the nation. So that's well agreed. Having said that. I do, I do represent that those who are born abroad don't fall short because, like you said, the danger of chasing players born abroad is that they know. As long as they say, hey, I want to play, their places are guaranteed. You've got to take that away from, 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 from any group. No, nobody's place to be guaranteed in a team of Nigerians. You should come and fight for your place. Yeah. Let us also agree on that. Now, if you want the best, but you cannot fall into the team. The players you, you, you mentioned, uh, um, uh, some of them, with all due respect to them, they know that all they, all they need to be, especially under the, under the coach that left, they are not sure. Once they show up, they are going to play. They are going they to play. Know. So they okay. just show up. Sometimes, not mentally prepared. So, what do we do? It's simple. Let's come up with the policy to ensure that even if it's two players, say, you know what? You know this league is not where we want it to be. That's a general, but we, at least we can get three players. And even those three players, there's no guarantee. Because some of the former coach also those hopeless players and they show what they have. If you don't have that, if you're not an Osimo or an EGD, your place will never be guaranteed the national team. All right, buddy. Thank you very much for that. We ended there, but uh, a, a little detour to announce the winner. We know before the Nations Cup, we asked you guys, our listeners, to predict the winner of the African Nations Cup. And we have a winner. I think about two or three people correct, uh, predicted correctly, but the first person to correctly predict is who we have announced. Pray at Oga Prayer, that's your Twitter handle, is our winner of the 20,000 Naira 
we will reach out to you on how you can access your 20,000 Naira. Congratulations to pray at Oga Prayer. And um, like I told you at the top, this uh, edition is partly sponsored by All Star Traders. And um, let me tell you this. Are you passionate about football? Do you think you have the knowledge to predict your favorite football players' performance on the pitch? Then welcome to All Star Trader where you can now make some real money. Yes, real money in real time buying or selling your favorite football stars like Messi, Ronaldo, Mo Salah, Kante, and thousands more as they perform on the pitch. It's that simple. With All Star Trader, the outcome of a football match doesn't matter anymore. Only your knowledge of football stars does. Come trade with that knowledge and passion before and during a match and end on the performance of your favorites. Visit www.allstartrader.com Download the All-Star Trader app and sign up for a live account to get started. Or send us an email at astaafrica at allstartrader.com or call 0816-657-4697 0912-919-3926 0912-919-8184 Experience the new freedom. All-Star Trader, trade your passion. I uh, want to thank All-Star Trader for this past sponsorship of this episode. And talking about All-Stars, we come to Bode, who just attended the All-Star Weekend in the NBA in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Bode, uh, a lot has been said about the All-Star readers, but just give us an overview in 30 seconds flat what this weekend meant to the players, to the fans, to the world of the NBA. It, 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 was, it was a massive weekend because... Um, the fans are back in the arenas. Uh, this is probably the first all-star weekend since the pandemic that all of us will be together in one place. So it's a fun weekend. And the city of Cleveland welcomed a lot of people. And they also, they also ensured that the public participation was, was, was huge and awesome. There were events like almost everywhere. Luckily, uh, Cleveland wasn't, uh, it isn't such, such a big city, at least in terms of, um, of basketball. So all the events were connected, so you could just go from one event to the other. Well, and they also ensured that everybody that was coming was COVID-free. I mean, I, I can't tell you how rigorous the, the selection process was to, to, to ensure that those who are both the fans and, and, and media. I can't tell you, I, I can tell you from one perspective that it was difficult to get into any arena because of these checks that you had to go through before you even approved to approve the arena. But all the it was, it was, a, it was an awesome experience. It was good to see the fans getting into the uh, getting into the uh, in, into the activities to to go to see players both old and new making appearances in front of fans and media and to go to see them they try their best to bring the public back into uh, uh, into recording on the one day uh, it's a lot of weekend as usual and then they went above and beyond this time to ensure that both the fans and the players had an awesome time day all right um well but it might be a bit too modest to let you know that but it was the only Nigerian journalist accredited. We have to beat our own uh, beat our own uh, trumpet. Was, uh, blow our own trumpet and beat our own drums. The only Nigerian journalist accredited to cover the NBA which he has been doing and the All-Star Weekend which he has been attending for uh, well over 10-12 years now. So, uh, big ups to that, to Sportvision and to Econ Digital and everybody involved in this podcast even though we didn't pay for the trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll come back to you. But Yemi, Yemi spent the entire weekend <laughs> having sleepless nights watching. But I'm sure you felt, let's look at the negative now. I'm sure you felt you wasted your time oh, yeah. when you watched 
the slam dunk contest. Oh my God. That was the worst slam dunk contest I had seen in my since lifetime. All the All Star Weekend started. Yeah, in me. my lifetime. <laughs> oh my God. It was terrible. Atrocious. <laughs> oh. I felt sad for for the fans. I mm. felt sad for the legends that were there. Yeah. And I felt sad. All of them just looking in the skies, rolling their eyes, throwing their hands. up midway and the one left. Like, what's this? I felt sad for all the previous winners of the slam dunk contest. Mm. It was, I think, first and foremost, just the same way they've tricked the three-point shooting, the skills uh, challenge, Mm. they need to tweak this one. In fact, it got to a point where the the journalists, the ringside announcer, were even saying that, do you think that maybe they should swap the three <laughs> the three points challenge with this dunk contest? Mm. Because it seemed like a huge anticlimax. The three point contest was far better. It mm. made a lot of adjustments to that one. But this one, I think it's another thing is the number of attempts they had mm. to try to get one dunk. Mm. He just okay. killed the contest. Well, Obi topping won that, although that Obi is not Nigerian, I've been told. So, um, but, but let's look on the bright side now. The really good things, uh, Carl Anthony Towns winning the three-point contest, Team LeBron winning uh, by 163 to 160, 160. Uh, LeBron with the winning bucket. And of course, uh, Steph Curry, 16 threes, 50 points, just too shy of the record for the All-Star weekend. LeBron is now 5-0 and oh as team captain in the All-Star. And that moment... At halftime, when all the legends came out, and that moment, I, was, I think at the end, when LeBron and MJ spoke to each other and hugged, and there was a lot of mutual respect. So, tell us about all the good sides, all the positive things that um, you witnessed at the All-Star Weekend. I think um, that, 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 uh, that stand-up tournament has been the talk of the town, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I watched I watched Stephen A. Smith yesterday and he gave a very good idea about how you could trick it around and get guys from the streets to come and take part in the All-Star weekend. I mean the slam dunk contest. Listen, listen I have seen better slam dunk tournaments in private leagues. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? In fact, look at some of these, some, some of these other stand on dog contests and roll your eyes and those who are at the event on Saturday. And you look at the and dogs yeah. that Jay Morant came up with in the course of the game itself. And it was much better. <laughs> as, it, as it is, a lot of people are reaching out to Damon telling, telling him, you've got to come and contest in the Slamdog event next year. I'm going yeah. to give you the thoughts. Yeah. Um, some of them competed in that event um, and in the Slamdog event. They, they, they don't even do these things in practice. They, they don't do it during games. They don't do it in, in their teams. And so the, the, the question is, how do they end up in front of millions of worldwide viewers at the All-Star, at the All-Star, uh, at the All-Star weekend, attending something that they never did in their private time? But hey, I think the game on Sunday, especially, especially the last quarter, and the show that, uh, um, that Sepikori put up, I think it raised every thought. It was a, yeah. it was a, it was a big school for the weekend to finish. Um, I think the, the, the Ocam ending that they have added to the other to the other game has jazzed it up a lot. And I do feel that in between now and the next All-Star weekend, I think that we will come up with a way to ensure that um, uh, that we don't see what you saw. But having said all that, 
It was beautiful. I was at the uh, 2009 NBA Finals when um, Michael Williams put up, put up a show in Orlando on the, on the way to the Lakers winning another championship. And I was glad that I was here when Stephen Curry won the first thing, uh, uh, won the first, uh, uh, the first, um, Kobe Bryant trophy with an amazing show of his own DG. Yeah. It was beautiful to see this young man. We've seen him do it during the season, but to do it at that level, 16 three pointers, I was like, couldn't miss. I to think that Cleveland fans had booed him yeah. all weekend. That's yeah. the fact that he had left to put more low. On himself performing well at that, at that game, he has to put money in Cleveland and he said, Well done and play so well. It, it was beautiful to see. Also, it was good to see uh, uh, the fans coming. I had a good time. I can't tell you how much I ate. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, <laughs> Steph Curry was actually born in Akron, um, although the father moved out and same cities where Ooh, LeBron, LeBron grew up. Born. And uh, Yemi, but quickly as we round this up now, tell us about some of the little Nigerian interests in the All-Star Weekend, a few. So for Rising Stars, I like what the NBA have also done with that one. Uh, before it used to be the rookies, as well as the sophomore guys, as guys in the second year. Mm. Then later they changed it to the US, as well as the rest of the world. Now they split them into teams. So they had four teams. And of course, Nigeria had Precious Achua, uh, Daudu, mm. Isaac Okoro. Connections. Yeah. Eight. So nine from Africa, eight for eight Nigerians. Wow. So Precious Atua could have been the MVP of the Rising Stars uh game, game. but uh he was he was beaten by Kate Cunningham, who also had eighteen points. Both of them mm-hmm. had eighteen points, but Cunningham had a far a far better uh stats than him. So it was good to see those guys put themselves in the line to show the future mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the NBA. All right, buddy. So Let's round it up now for the rest of the season. What should we expect from the NBA as they get back to the business of bread and butter and matches leading up to the playoffs? They seem us to, uh, to Brooklyn <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the beard to Philly. I want to see how that, how, how, how that, how that plays out. Okay. Um, for Philadelphia, I, I think Philadelphia, yes, and Mr. Bruce, they've been trudging on with that Ben Simmons. Now they have the genuine all-star. Someone who wants a championship beside the beside the MD. If that chemistry, if that chemistry works, DG, it makes Philly instant contender. Although my own worry, and I'm sad to say this, is that will they get the coaching they need? Mm. Because I'm, 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 Doc has not convinced me in the past few in the past couple of years. Will they get the coaching they need to get get them over over the for Brooklyn? And the, the good thing for Brooklyn, for Brooklyn is that they don't need Ben Simmons to do everything that they, that that they, that Philly wanted Philly wanted them to do. Ben Simmons could just play purely as a guard. They don't need him to score. Just it's like the normal talent you have as a guard, and and the next of course that uh, they, they, they also become instant contenders. Uh, even though they lost uh, they lost the bench, they got a good, a good replacement. And then there is the Warriors with Clay Thompson already cooking up. And Sepoy being hitting the form of his life at the right time, I think um, uh, it's going to it's going to it's it's something to see. And of course, there's a Greek there's a Greek freak and his boss DG. I think we are looking at um, at a roller coaster end to the season, and, 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 and we are looking at another massive uh, postseason coming up. All right, and that postseason looks so so unpredictable. So many contenders, like we did last week, is really really tough to see who's going to win. All of that. I would like to thank you guys for joining us on Sports 360 Podcast for this week. 
It's been exciting. It's been entertaining. Many thanks to Yemi Olus, who added some insights into our discussion on blessing or Kagbara. We have a new Twitter handle. The old one was restricted, but we have a new Twitter handle. Sports 360 Pod is a new Twitter handle, and that's the same address you can get us on Sports 360 Pod underscore. And that's a new Twitter handle, Sports 360 Pod underscore. And then we have Sports 360 Pod on Instagram. That's where you can hit us up as well. Um, don't forget our winner, uh, Prayer at Oga Prayer. I want to thank All Star Traders for their part sponsorship of today's edition of Sports 360 Podcast. It drops your way every Thursday, 12 noon Nigerian time. Aha, I need to add that. <laughs> many thanks to Yemi Adesoya and Bodio Gutui. And once again, many thanks to Yemi Olus for joining us earlier on today's podcast. My name is Dick Jomotoimbo. Thank you for your time. Bye bye. <laughs>